This program is a proud member of Univaz. Unified, unique, voices. Learn more at univazpods.net. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen, and so are you! Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. This is episode 299, and tonight, to help make your Pride Month extra queer, we are continuing on with my series of casual conversations with out LGBT filmmakers of the independent horror scene. And tonight we are talking with the creators, the stars, and the people who once again are wearing all the hats on the upcoming film Death Drop Gorgeous. Yeah, you've met them before. You met them one dark night back in December. See what I did there? And the boys I'm talking about are Brandon Perez Sanchez, Christopher Dalpy, and Michael Ahern. But before I unleash the boys upon you, please allow me to introduce myself. My name is Patrick Walsh. And for the past 10 years, I've been your guide to the weird and wonderful world of horror movies. But you're going to have to see them through my very, very gay little eyes. <laughs> but tonight, you're not just going to see them through my eyes. You're going to see them through the eyes of the people who are making the movies. What? That's crazy. And just so you know, this episode was recorded a while back as well. This is actually recorded before the one we did last time with Alan Roe Kelly. So I'm still suffering from tongue bite during this interview session. There's a little slurry, slurry, slushy, slushy thing going around by the S's. It's not you. You're not having a stroke. I just have a huge tongue. Anyway, before we bring on the Death Drop Gorgeous Boys, I'm going to play you their brand new trailer. A brand new trailer that was edited by none other than Tyler Jensen and Roman Kianti, the co-directors of Scream Queen. My Nightmare on Elm Street. What? What? That's a whole lot of gay independent people coming together. And you know what? Those guys are going to be my guests next time. So, well, it's like a whole big circle of love or something. And I don't know what it is. But just shut up and listen to the trailer because it is fabulous. Are you ready to have a blast? You, me, we're going out on the town. Where are you going tonight? The Outhouse's Halloween party is their biggest of the season. Oh, you didn't hear? Just a heads up, but there is a guy that's going to meet us there at the bar. What have you got? You little slut. Help! <laughs> Get a new job. Rent's coming up. You want your job back. Tony, I'll take any shift you can give me. Tuesday! Tuesday with Gloria Hall! You're gonna be working at the same bar as Janet. Who are you? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Why even bother asking? She's so much prettier than me, it's not fair. Bitch. You can always find beauty in tragedy. I'd kill for your skin. Hi, yo, Hera. The body count of gay men continues to rise in Providence. Four dead bodies? You think people ain't gonna talk? Whether you like it or not, it looks like we got a serial killer on our hands. 
Those people at your bar are dead and that could have been me. We could be next. <gasps> Any more questions, detective? Watch, watch the teeth. Do me a favor. Nail that death drop. I've never done a split for an empty room. I always finish my number. Ooh, it's the vampire. So joining me are these sessions with out LGBT independent horror filmmakers. I am thrilled to have these guys back to the show. You met them a little while back when we talked about One Dark Night. We spent a night in the mausoleum and things got crazy. And they have an independent movie that's coming up real soon. It's a little slasher, a little draggy, a little comedy, and a little gory. No, it's a lot gory. It's a lot gory. So I'm here with the creators, the stars, and they, they just they do everything. So it's anyway, it's the it's the boys from Death Drop Gorgeous. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, at my GNCs, wherever you may be, put your hands and your feet, slap your butt cheeks together, because we have in the house Brandon Sanchez, Michael Ahern, and Christopher Delby! Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out, but you're back now, bitches. Wow, that was a welcome back. Cotter reference. How old am I? How old are you? I'll never tell. They already know. <laughs> I'm 39. In the words of Patsy Stone. So welcome back to the show, boys. Happy Pride. Happy, Happy Pride. Pride. Yay. How are things in Providence, Rhode Island? Things are actually doing all right in Rhode Island. We did okay with putting on masks and staying inside. So now things are opening up. Uh, two of the gay bars opened up. So that's been nice. We've been having drinks outside. Nice. distanced. I was going to say a really exciting part is instead of people being really bummed out that we couldn't hold the Pride Festival and Parade, um, it's really put a lot of energy into the Black Lives Movement in Providence. And so I think a lot of the LGBT Pride has been siphoned into some radical protests. What I think was an attempt from the up above to divide and conquer, getting us all split up to fight our own battles, it's backfired. We're all kind of mashing up to, to fight the uh, system. Okay, so you guys made a movie. Did we? <laughs> <laughs> no, you did because I seen it. I seen it. I seen it. I got, I got an advanced copy of, uh, of, uh, what's the, of a working, uh, working print of Death Drop Gorgeous. And before I start down this particular catwalk doing my session down this catwalk why don't you guys tell the folks at home what is death drop gorgeous about what is the story of your film that you made hey this is chris again so um death drop gorgeous is a drag horror um gay slasher film taking place in providence rhode island essentially it's the gayest thing the city has ever produced and it's the scariest thing that the city has ever produced I'm looking at Christopher going, I'd say it's the second scariest. <laughs> <laughs> the gayest thing ever. But that's not the okay, Brandon, Brandon, Brandon. Brandon, could you just tell me a basic plot? Uh, yeah, so on um, the plot, uh, it, the whole plot kind of revolves around this club. Um, there's a, a, a bartender that used to work there is back in town um, looking for his job back. 
Um, there's bodies showing up all over the, all over the city that are drained of blood. Um, all those bodies have a connection to the club. Um, the club owner hired some kind of bumbling detectives to look into it. And um, there's, at the same time, there's a dra- drag queen rivalry between some of the uh, the older queens, younger queens. And um, all these stories kind of parallel and intertwine. And um, then there's a lot of mayhem, gore, and craziness and camp all over the place. Good answer. Good answer. Good answer. I had a great time watching it. I was so pissed off the first time you guys came in. Now, we kind of touched on this the last time we talked, but, you know, that, that some of this was off the air, some of this was on the air. But I'm just going to say, I got so mad at you when I asked you, well, what do you do when you're like, uh, hi, I'm Christopher Dalby. I'm a creator. Hi, I'm Michael Ahern. I'm a creator. Hi, I'm Brandon. I'm a creator. Give me nothing to work with. But now I get it. You guys were doing everything. You're in the movie. You're working outside the movie. You're writing it. You're directing it. You're producing it. You're filming it. You're editing it. Bitches, you're doing everything. Now we're, now we're marketing this shit, too. <laughs> Isn't that the worst? Isn't that the worst? It's the least favorite part of anything. We get to meet people like you. So when I actually got the movie, I said, oh, now I understand. Yeah, it's just our names over and over again. <laughs> and what's funny on the IMDb page, bitches, are, you're there twice. All of you. Oh, yeah. I think we're there <laughs> probably more than twice. I think it's more than twice in some parts. No, but I mean, sometimes you're listed as, like, Brian. Christopher's character is listed twice. Huh. So is so is the lieutenant, and so is Tommy Two Fingers. Uh, we might have to fix that. Oh crap! Yeah, but with slightly different. <laughs> like one's Christopher Dalpy, one's Chris Dalpy, one's Michael Landon hyphen Ahern. <laughs> Maybe I should go by that. Well, then you can make the movie. I was a drag queen werewolf <gasps> on the prairie. Ooh, <laughs> has that been has that been written yet? No. Make it, make it. Copyright, TM, 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 <laughs> No, the other thing that I said when I sat down, when Brandon first started contacting me about this movie, when Roger Connors, actor Roger Connors frequently gets the show, pointed me in his direction, said, you got to check these guys out. I was less than enthused. <laughs> just because, you know, gay films in general don't usually work for me. They're just usually bottom of the barrel, terrible acting. And I just was like, <sighs> My track record with them on the show is not good. Gay horror movies in general, not good. So I was like, all right, fine, impress me. And then I saw the trailer. I was like, okay, good. And now that I've seen the movie, boys, you done did good. <laughs> I am not easy to please. Well, I think that's also one of the reasons we made it, because we were like, gay horror movies suck. <laughs> <laughs> and so we set out to make one that we enjoy and that in hopes of other people enjoying it. And that really comes through. And what what I find fascinating is that since you guys are in the movie and you're all credited as directors as well, how does that work? How are you not constantly in a battle with each other? Because, I mean, I directed myself in a show once and just. <laughs> when you said that we have to wear many hats, we switched a lot of hats. So, like, at some points, you just have to take off the director and let someone else tell you what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and so that- this drag race is also a relay race. <laughs> <laughs> Pass the wig. Okay, good, got it. Okay, nice. Good. So one of the things that I was really shocked by is the gore that you pulled off in this low-budget movie. We were watching, I was watching our oil, we were watching Dragula uh, season two and really impressed by Victoria Elizabeth Black. And I was doing some like research on her and found that she has her own um, website where she does special effects and props. Um, and there's great stuff too. It's like Shot in the Dark contacted her, uh, asked if she'd be interested in doing special effects um, so we gave her, we handed her three of like our biggest gore scenes in the movie. 
Um, her and her boyfriend, um, Opulence Black, came up here in a, a van all the way from Orlando, Florida. Stayed with us for a week and just like worked their magic. Um, super pro. Sorry. And then um, the other special effects were from Scott C. Miller, who is, just has a long history of working in um, Hollywood and with all kinds of great horror movies. Also family as well. Uh, so that was kind of cool. We had no idea. So we've had like a... So overall, a pretty queer cast, like up and down between like special effects, music, acting. So, uh, but Scott did excellent work too. Um, so between Scott and Victoria, we uh, we ended up with some really visceral, disgusting scenes. That's what I was going to say. What was really impressing me, like I said, I've seen everything. <laughs> I've seen pretty much every way you can maim a body. You threw some new shit at me. And what was great too was that even the stuff that wasn't new, things would start to be like, oh, ugh, okay, that was gross. <laughs> and it keeps going. <laughs> and it keeps going and it keeps getting worse and it's so great and it's wonderfully out of sync but in sync with the movie like the rest of the movie is it's got this definite vibe to it it's this quite real universe like it's a heightened sort of universe that's yeah. kind of light and fun and fluffy there's conflict and stuff but then these gore scenes are just gritty realistic Ugh. loved it loved it loved it oh we gotta get you down to Providence for a drag show then <laughs> Well, part, part of the reason why we wanted to make the gore so graphic is I just one of our complaints with like a lot of modern slashers is just like the lack of gore. Um, I mean, if, if you're not making some psychological thriller, like atmospheric slasher, you have to rely on your special effects. It's like slashers are a dime a dozen. They've been done a million times. And like you have to make those scenes memorable. So I just we just really don't understand the point of these goreless camp slashers that are just kind of like, eh, I've seen it 800 times like a year. No, you guys definitely thought outside the box and sometimes in the meat grinder. <laughs> Spoilers! Isn't it in the trailer? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shut up. And actually, in the new one, like the new newest release trailer, it actually has a much more featured. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, it is. It is the high point of the movie and a low point in its own right. Um, in that particular scene, something really stood out. That there was a really prominent feature in that scene that I was very surprised to see in the movie. I'm talking about the boner. Yeah, that's that's not a real boner. I was I was going to ask that. It's a very well made prosthetic. I will I will say that it is one of the. Cast- well, then your movie sucked. Click. Ah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that that's going to be a. Fun- I, I I came for the drag slasher. I stayed for the boners. <laughs> <laughs> if you can guess what cast and crew members dick that is, you'll win the prize. Nice, nice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but I was just, I was, it was a surprise to see it, even fake or not, just because, especially since I know Amazon in particular has been cracking down yeah. on, on male nudity for some reason. That's so weird. That feels a little backwards. I thought, we, I thought we were past this. <laughs> no, everyone still has weird feelings about dongs in movies, especially erect dongs. You can have like flaccid ones and they get up, like they go under, but like as soon as you have a boner in a movie, everyone gets weird. What is Jeff Bezos trying to say about his own boner? I shame. He's saying shame. He's, he's like, I took over the world and I still have a tiny dick. It's the price of free shipping. You get free shipping, but no boners, not included. <laughs> no COD, which is cock and delivery. What? I, that was the title of a porn, wasn't it? One of the things I thought was really interesting about the film was that in its own right, it really encapsulated a lot of the um, division within the gay community. Subcultures. Subcultures, which was not a big a thing when I was first coming up. You know, you'd go to a bar and you'd have all kinds of types mixing together, but now it's also so divided in so many different ways. And it played on a lot of those things. There's all this casual racism that gets thrown around. And um, 
the skewering between the older queens and the younger queens and not knowing your history. And it all comes into play in the final battle without giving anything away. All these things are important. And it's woven so well in the script. It was very impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I think the two isms we really try to uh, tackle in this movie is racism and is ageism within the... Yes, because the, the lead character, your final girl, your final girl, for any other word, is a person of color. Mr. Wayne Gonzalez. Gonzalez. I I got it wrong every time. Gonzalez. Wayne Gonzalez. I have it written out this time. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing all this stuff without making, it's there without making huge points of it. It's not going, ah, I'm making a statement. Look at me and make a political statement. It's just so nicely woven into the plot and it's never called out. You're a horror fan and you just woke up one day and decided to make a movie? I mean, kind of. (laughs) Yeah, I met Brandon and we uh, bonded over horror movies and we were kind of just complaining about the current state of horror. And he was like, well, funny, you should mention this. My friend Chris and I have this bogus idea for a horror movie. And I was like, we should do it. And then we met one day and we yeah, like outlined it and then we just kept going. And now we're here (laughs) five years later. That was my question. I was gonna. I was. I was gonna ask. Like, how long did that whole process take? But you just answered me. It's probably, it's probably about over five years at this point. Now, I think we started writing it in twenty fourteen, maybe. Like the writing process began then. Uh, the filming was probably two ish years. And we had a good nine months that were all only fundraising for the film. So we didn't actually work on the project. We just um, were hustling drag shows um, and different things. To make but that's it. part of it. That's part of it. I mean, that's the, based on what I see in these, you know, the Facebook groups. And I've seen people attacking you, Brandon, <laughs> particularly one of one person in particular that we have discussed who I will not mention on the air. Oh, my God. Every fucking day you're talking about this movie. When is it coming out already? We get that a lot. People don't get how long it takes to make a movie, especially independently. Oh, yeah. And I think people take into account, too, like um, a lot of our actors did this for free. A lot of people, all, everyone that scored our movie did it for free. So you're waiting on a lot of elements and you don't want to, like, pressure these people. They're, they're giving you your time. It's a lot of nights and weekends. Um, we kind of put some of the actors and musicians to the ringer trying to get what we want. Um, so it's, you know, get, you know, get things where we want to be. So it's a it's a lot. Um I think people forget, like, when you're just an indie film, you don't have the backing, you have to make your own money and do your own things. It, it's a lot of, it's a huge undertaking. Um, I think, like, there were some points where, like, oh, my God, what the fuck are we doing? But then, like, when you start getting all these elements and pieces together, like the music and the acting and the, you see other people's passion they have for your project, you kind of have to keep going. There's no stopping at that point. <laughs> and especially since, like I said, you're wearing all the hats. You don't have a crew of 200 people. Yeah, you don't have a second unit. You are the unit. Yeah, it was literally five of us for the for the most part making it. Wow, I have to admit, we still are friends. <laughs> <laughs> That's the amazing thing. <laughs> okay, this is this is ridiculous because this seems like a sidebar, but it's not. Back in the day, you know, back in the seventies when I was a waif. <laughs> <laughs> You'd see ABBA on the TV. And for some reason, I always had the impression that they all just lived together and slept in one big bed. In the, in the 80s, I felt the same way about the Human League. <laughs> and like the whole cast and crew of Death Drop Gorgeous, in my mind, sleeps in one big bed like the grandparents. <laughs> and Willy Wonka to talk about <laughs> That is how it happens. Well, it just seems like you guys are so intertwined and it's it's... 
and yeah. the relationship seems like it's, it's been long and it's very strong. And I'm like, it's- I had the same thing with the Spice Girls growing up. <laughs> I thought they were going to be together forever. And then Ginger left. So never trust the redhead. No, <laughs> I got to admit, some of our best work and ideas were accomplished in bed. Like a lot of like our business plans are pillow talk. It's just like, oh, did you contact the diva? Is she ready for filming tomorrow? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Half of our budget was sheets. <laughs> and like a lot of, like, some of the actors in the film, too, also wore hats. Like, main character Wayne um, did stunts uh, with some doubles in scenes, helped with some makeup, helped with um, advertising. Ryan, who plays the pup in the film, um, did a lot of editing and did all the sound. Yeah. Um, did a lot of, like, yeah, a crazy amount of work. So it's kind of funny. Everyone in the film actually helped out. Mike, uh, the massage scene, the go-go boy, he helped with like, he's a play actor and he knows about fight choreography. So helped with choreographing some of the, um, the fight scenes. So yeah, it was just kind of a pretty big community effort. <laughs> and let's not, let's not forget that like every single drag queen who we shared our squirt with and had them involved with the project, um, those costumes, those designs, that makeup, that was theirs. Like they brought themselves to the script and created their characters in a very beautiful way. But, Gotta give him credit for. And I'm already guessing this, this. This is probably not true, but I'm thinking that the biggest diva in the movie was Baby Side Eye. Wait, oh, baby, yes. There's a baby. There's a baby in the movie that throws Side Eye listeners that would kill. Like that should have been the like. It had the murderer turned out to be the baby. I thought you meant Ninny Nothing at first. I was just like, <laughs> I guess you could call her that. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher's like, I'm a toddler. I'm not a baby. <laughs> no, baby side eye. That, that wasn't CGI. That was, that was real. <laughs> 100% real bitch baby. <laughs> Twilight ain't got nothing on us with that CGI baby face. I know. One of the things that I also thought was really impressive is that you really made Providence a character in the movie. Are, are, are you guys all originally from Providence or are you imports? Or? All imports. <laughs> yeah. My family's originally from Rhode Island, but I was born in New Hampshire. And so I moved back down here. Um, my parents were like, why would you ever go back? But uh, it's been pretty rad. I think like all cities have like their own character and stories and lore. And um, I, I've, I've been in Providence since 2003 and started working in the, in the gay bars since 2003. One of my first shops here was at the Eagle. And um, the city is just such a character itself with like the whole, the mafia stories, the the drag scene back here back in the day, the, um, the the gay scene here back in the day. It was like Wild Wild West, the noise rock scene. It was like, I've never seen anything like it in my entire life. So I think like bringing this, that character of Providence to life is really fun. Um, I hope people, you know, like you said, I'm glad you noticed that in the story and appreciate it too. Cause it, it is a big element in the story. It's a little love letter to our city. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good time. Well, that's one of the things I really appreciate about the movie. And I, I wish you guys out there have, could have seen it already, but you know, life is happening and they, their production is all held up and their screenings are held up because of this, the COVID situation. But what ele- one of the many things that elevated for me was all these little layers that are just there naturally, not forced, like a great sense of place. There's a sense of community. Um, there's a sense of history to all of it. It's just like, I bought, I bought 
the characters that are supposed to be his friends, I buffed them. Like one of my big things is when I watch a movie and I don't buy the horror movie character as friends. I'm like, you people have never met each other. You just like, <laughs> just I absolutely buy all these relationships and the rivalries felt real too. They didn't feel forced. It wasn't just characters being bitchy to be bitchy. I'm like, this is, this is like tapping into some real, you felt the history between people, whether it's real or not. And that's not an easy thing to pull off. But the, these are the things that, will, that were really hooking me into the movie. And then, like I said, in one of our other conversations, there are long breaks between kill scenes. Yet I never got bored. And occasionally I forgot I was watching a horror movie. But because what was going on with the characters was so interesting, especially Tommy Two Fingers. <laughs> Tommy Two Fingers, you got a kink streak. But it's never treated as anything weird or strange or scary it's just who you are and that relationship between you and the pup <laughs> uh, kind of a villain and an asshole this relationship i bought there's never any judgment of it it's just presented and i love that we're very progressive <laughs> i wish sarah mclaughlin felt the same is that what that song is about <laughs> <laughs> you even got comedia del arte shit in there you did. You did the, the whole thing with the, the, the Tommy Two Tones. Um, I don't know why I keep calling it Tommy Two Tones. <laughs> he was an A singer, wasn't he? <laughs> Tommy Two Finger. Yeah, the, the, even that little thing with the stuffed dog that kept falling over. Oh yeah. <laughs> Not funny the first time. Mildly amusing the second time. It just kept getting funny. That's classic comedian Del Arte, and you don't see that in movies either. And I'm fancy, so I'm throwing shit out now. You know what comedian Del Arte is? Italian. <laughs> <laughs> it's new at Starbucks. It's a new size. I'll have the comedian Del Arte Frappuccino. Thank you. Well, Tony's character is based on like bosses I've had before in the game hearts here. So he's like, he's not far off from reality. Unfortunately, Gloria Hole is based off my old boss. <laughs> We're going to come back to Gloria Hole because I want to talk uh, Michael's character. Um, you're one of the detectives, Detective O'Hara. So you're Neely O'Hara. But you even got a little ahead of yourself and kind of because the detectives in this, they're not squeaky clean angels either. No. No, How can that be? <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that, but I'm just saying, just, 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 just watching because I watched it again last night. Oh. Just to prepare for this. And I'm saying, huh, we need to defund the Providence Police too, man. A <laughs> cab. A cab. They're supposed to be solving murders, except they're boning all the time. <laughs> yep. We're secretly boning, doing cocaine, and taking money. By the way, I really appreciate the Rob the Providence like free cocaine program. There's a lot of free cocaine going on in this movie. <laughs> I had no idea you guys had that kind of a system, but it ain't good, but it's free. <laughs> So all of you are horror fans, like li lifers? Yeah. Oh, my God, sure. yeah. Okay, so what are your favorites? What are some of your favorites? Movies. Me? Yeah. Um, Alien and Rosemary's Baby, I think, are my two favorite horror movies. And I know Alien sci-fi, but it's a horror movie. Oh, it's Jaws in Space. It counts. Yeah. It counts. <laughs> I was really uh, shaped by... Hellraiser, Buffy, and uh, Death Becomes Her. So I've always had a really uh, strong affinity for dark comedies that like bridge horror. Nat comes through. And Brandon? Um, it's like a rotating cast, but I say my top three, um, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, from start to finish, conceptually, the ad campaigns, everything for it, I thought was absolutely brilliant. Um, I'm a huge, huge, huge Clyde Barker fan, so I think I think the first two Hellraiser movies are fantastic. I, I love them. I can watch them on repeat. Um, I think John Carpenter's The Thing might be my other one too. I think those are like my, my three. 
the thing is just such a blast. Uh, like the practical effects. I mean, it's it's just out of control. I wish <laughs> I wish they'd bring that shit back. <laughs> well, you need to make a gay version and call it the Fang. <laughs> <laughs> TM TM TM. TM. <laughs> Miss Thang. <laughs> oh my, that's actually totally brilliant. And I don't want to like sidebar us, but we should actually workshop something. I have ideas. <laughs> TM, 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 TM. <laughs> oh, sorry. We're breaking up. You couldn't hear what we said. Sorry. 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 <laughs> nice. No, this is something I, I ask. I'm asking all the guests in this particular series that I'm doing, talking to individual um, independent out gay filmmakers. <sighs> And my listeners are going to get bored. I'm going to cut this part out because they've heard this particular story a million times. <laughs> I had to hide my love of horror movies forever. Like it wasn't until my 30s, until just before I started the show, where I started to meet gay people who liked horror movies and didn't think it was a serial killer because of my my movie collection. So it was like a second closet <laughs> come out of. I'm just wondering, what, what was it like when you were younger? I'll jump in there. I'm from a family of creeps and weirdos. So I, um, I think Shocker. I, <laughs> Christopher and I are best friends. Yeah. We're, it just feels like magic every time we talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, a lot of my early exposure to horror was thanks to my family that, um, what was great of when I came out later, I was able to, uh, really hunt down specific genres. Like, my sister Vicky gave me like um, some great queer horror the moment I came out. She's like, oh, you should read this thing about Jesus fucking a vampire. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and Poppy Z. Bright, who's a queer author. Uh, I read Exquisite Corpse and Lost um, Souls. It's like my first queer books. So it's been creepy since I came out. I had a weird relationship with horror. So like when I was from like first grade on, I read horror books mythology folklore and horror like i read those books constantly but i was like petrified and terrified of horror movies i had such problems with freddy krueger that i used to get i got prescribed benadryl to go to bed and knock my ass out um but then like as i got older a lot of my friends who whose imaginations weren't as like wild as mine were able to watch horror and not freak out and then like it became like a rite of passage so i eventually like gave in watched them and then like fell pretty hard into it. I mean, I was already reading all these stories and fucked up books anyways, but like for some reason those didn't bother me. It was the movies that did. Um, and then my local like movie store, I think we like every weekend would ransack the horror section, rent like a stack of VHSs and watch them to odd hours in the morning, like all the time. And then just, it hasn't really changed since. I don't even, my like recollection of how I got into horror is so like vague. I, I remember going to like video stores and being really scared of the horror section. Like, I remember the cover of May and being like, that is the scariest thing I've ever seen. I will never watch horror movies. It's just a woman's face. I know. <laughs> a goth girl. She's, just a goth girl. <laughs> She's terrified of goth. Her contouring is terrible. Ah. That goth girl was so scary to me when I was younger. It's, it's funny because every time, every time I look at you, I just think, nice scams. <laughs> And then I remember I live, I grew up around woods and I remember um, the neighborhood kids and I all watched, (laughs) all watched the Blair Witch Project. And I remember that was like the first, it was the first time I was like so scared that I wouldn't go outside. And then I think since then I've been always trying to seek that thrill of that very first time I've seen the Blair Witch Project. and Chasing that dragon. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And since uh, there's been a few others, I remember the first time I saw The Exorcist on like Halloween that that messed me up. Um, but yeah, so I think since 
I think it was the Blair Witch Project, but May, I would not watch. I still, <laughs> I still haven't seen May. It's so not even scary. It's really you, the movie. <laughs> but, but I got to answer your question in a way that um, when, I, when I think about it, like, that's my relationship to it and my identity. But I don't think it was until I moved to Providence and started hanging out with you that I was like, here's a bunch of other faggots doing that. So I don't think it was an anxiety of mine, but for the most part, I operated in gay world without that being um, a community. Like when I moved here, that's when I was just like, oh, we like similar movies and books and stuff like that. So that was later in life until I found other gays. Quick, everybody get in this big bed. <laughs> <laughs> and we lived happily ever after. <laughs> I've noticed that there definitely is a lot of, uh, queer people, LGBTQ on the spectrum that love horror. Like, um, even like local friends that like are in the gay scene, um, drag scene, um, that I've never like talked about this stuff with. Like when they found we're making a horror movie, like I love horror. So it's a, uh, I think it goes deeper than, than people think in this community. It really does. Um, I don't know if that's like a, a new thing that's kind of evolved that way. I think like it's the same reason I think like a lot of like the Disney gays love the villains and the evil princesses. I think like, they're kind of outcasted. It's like nice being a villain. So I think like growing up with horror movies, like I kind of was always sided with the bad guys. I think a lot of gays have. So. That's, my, that, that, that's how I explained it to a straight friend who asked me once. Like, I don't understand. Like, what, 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 what makes a gay movie gay? You know, a gay movie that's not gay. What made that movie gay? Like, whatever happened to Baby Jane? Like, there's nothing yeah. gay about that. Why is this a gay movie? I'm like, okay, listen. Straight guys like movies where the good guys went. Gay guys like movies where the bad girls went. We're bad boys. I, lo- <laughs> oh. I was always kind of rooting for Freddy. <laughs> well, and, but Freddy's a faggot. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, let's be real. Oh, come on. Come on. No, no. In horizontal stripes, no. 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 No, 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 no. Time. No, 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 no. Excuse me. I'm from that time. Okay, because that's the thing I think it was. Because I just talk to people all the time, and I just noticed that there's this age... De- a definite age thing like people from my generation since i'm a bit older than you guys i had my i had my two guys that adopted me like the older gays that adopted me when i was a teenager not a sexual thing and they taught me gay culture and gay history and you know a uh, gay camp and you know, gay culture H- how to behave in bars and how to you know, just, they, they kind of was my bridge to becoming a gay adult they had no use for this horror movie stuff they're like they didn't understand did not compute did not compute and it was like that with everybody. But I also realized just as we're talking, I'm like, of course it was, it was the fucking eighties. Horror movies were considered like a step above porn. Video. Back then. It, yeah. It's a different world. Now, if you did a horror movie, your career was over. Did you watch the documentary on the video nasties? I did. I did. I did. I did. Yeah. It was a while ago. It was treating them like porno. They, and, uh, in England, mostly they were having like their version of like the CIA FBI raiding these video stores. Cause they were hiding these horror movies in the back, like with the porno there's a list, I think it's like 30-something video nasties. You've yeah. probably seen all of them. But um, yeah, the, if you got caught with those videos, it, like with porno, you were fine the same amount. It's just kind of funny. And they're all banned in America. You can't even get them here. They're all banned. No, so there was just a bigger stigma back then. And I get that. So I'm jealous of you guys that you're not as ashamed. I, had, I literally, I mean, I love movies in general. So my, my video collection was always vast. I literally hid them under the bed with my porn. Also, 17 years of Catholic school didn't help. <laughs> Did you sometimes get them mixed up? <laughs> you're like this is awakening something strange in me <laughs> i'm not going to answer that question on the grounds that it may incriminate me thank you <laughs> i got my answer 
But okay, since we since we're on generational stuff, I just want to talk about the character of Glory Gloria Holt in your movie. She, uh, watching it again this time, who's Gloria Holt? Just for those who haven't seen the movie, obviously, which is everybody who hasn't. <laughs> Explain the character of Gloria Holt. So she is an aging drag queen who's been in the scene for as long as the scene has existed, and as all of these um, younger drag queens are emerging and becoming more popular, she's getting pushed out. So. She's kind of this desperate, like, uh, character looking for her one more chance in the spotlight, even if that spotlight is in, like, a dingy dive bar. Like, it's still a spotlight. Um, so it's kind of like her hilarious and tragic uh, demise. Yes. And what wrong with me watching it last night is that there's this disrespect from the younger community towards Gloria Holden. Instead of, like, treating her like a legend, she's treated like crap. A leper. I had a flashback watching the movie. This is a few years ago. I was at a bar in Manhattan and um, there was an older guy by himself waiting for somebody. And I'm talking like in his seventies and these Queens next to me were just reading him to filth <sighs> that it was disgusting that he's there and just tearing him to shreds. And I'm, I'm, mm, I have a really long fuse when it comes to my temper, but when it blows, it's an explosion. And I'm like, I don't want to yell in front of this guy, the older guy. And as soon as the guy left, I turned to these queens. I'm like, do you have any idea who the fuck that was? That was Dick Lash. Back in the 60s, gay activists started the sipping protests. If you're having a drink in this bar and you're not arrested, it's because of Dick Lash. Yikes. You don't know your fucking history. Yep. You should be ashamed of yourself. And on top of that, even if he wasn't famous, fuck off. Yeah. Yeah. Who the fuck are you? Yeah. <laughs> Believe me, you ain't all that. <laughs> well, Part of that is based off of like experience here too. Like this is a quick story. So like I'm at that weird in between age of like where you know RuPaul's Drag Race came out, and then like you, I could count on two hands how many drag queens were in the city when I moved here. Um, as the years went on, like so two because you only have two fingers. Well, there's there's a there's a fair amount. I said maybe like you know like eight really prominent ones, and a few that's kind of did their thing every now and then. And then like RuPaul's Drag Race comes out, and then they just kept like it kept more and more and more and more kept coming out of the woodwork at younger and younger ages. And um, eventually like we got to the point where we are, or maybe like five years ago, there was just so many people doing drag in a, in a good way, like of all ages. But there was this like kind of definitely like a gap of like a of age gap. And there was a lot of feuding going on too, because of this stuff, a lot of like shit talking on both sides, like the older Queens weren't in this scene either, but like um, there was a big divide for a while. A lot of like the big drag events, there's always drama between the older crews and the younger crews. But the happy ending of the story is a lot of that drama got squashed in the last couple of years. There's actually been like a good, like a lot of bridges like rebuilt and gap between the communities. So now you're kind of, you're starting to see like a lot of like homage being paid on both sides and respect, um, which is something I never thought would have happened. So in Providence is kind of this nice little thing that's happened over the past couple of years, but it was pretty hostile for a while. There was some pretty uh, intense uh, Facebook arguments and all the stupid shit that comes with it. Like 800 fucking comment forums of everyone going bananas yeah, and that gets us nowhere. Nope. Gets us nowhere. That was one of my favorite things about the movie as well, was just that sense of the divide and this this is not a criticism of the younger generation, but they didn't have the mentoring, like I said, I had. Like they learned they're learning dragon gate culture from TV. So they're all like the same person. Cookie cutter. Cookie cutter. So that you, when Gloria Hall is on camera in this movie, you cannot take your eyes off of her. She is radiant. Like her performances are incredible. Even when she's not performing, even when she's just sitting there doing nothing, she is radiant. And to see like the, these younger queens in the film trashing her, who are in comparison, they're just 
cookie cutters that just everybody sounds like you know Alaska or detox and it's all the catchphrases and you get this you know what I mean it's an elegant queen over here with no I love that that's there and that's a very key part of the film and oh my god thank you so much for tragedy with an eye <laughs> <laughs> there's a character in this movie almost completely silent the whole film drag queen called tragedy with an eye which I found out on IMDb which makes her even better <laughs> She's friends. But because she is like something out of a French film. She's like out of a Fellini film, like the sad clown with a balloon in the background that's crying. She's like that. And then see, she'll just kind of drift through in a scene going, what is she doing? What is that? What's happening? What's happening? Who's that? <laughs> Go back to her. This is deep cut, but like her last name is Boku. Her full name is Tragedy Boku. You nailed it. <laughs> and just some, some, to say who those actors are, um, uh, Gloria Hole is played by a drag queen named Peyton St. James. Uh, extremely talented, does the illusion show in P-Town every summer. A fantastic actor, performer, just all-around awesome person. Um, Tragedy is played by a drag queen in Complete Destruction, who I could say the same things about. Phenomenal person, um, super multi-talented. Um, Such a professional, too. They're both. They're just both professionals. We, we really lucked out with both of them. I'm just picturing her just like this, like some huge like drama going on at the bar and the scene. She's just in the back like playing her theremin. <laughs> <laughs> actually pretty late. entertaining no one nobody's watching her show except i can't take her out. <laughs> back to her stop fighting watch her amazing but yeah i love this little movie and thank you so much for joining me today i think it's a good, good wrap this up i know you, like your plans are all up in the air well we have well we have some news we would like to share with you <gasps> big news big news hold on bitches we're gonna get scooped so officially, Death Drop Gorgeous will be available on um, Wicked Queer's virtual film festival, which is at the end of July. Um, so that will be July one. Uh, don't quote me on this. July twenty sixth through August second, and people will be able to buy tickets and watch Death Drop Gorgeous from the comforts of their home. Yay! <laughs> Excellent! Yay! Because uh, it's got to be so frustrating to have this all ready to go. But yeah, oh yay! Yeah, that's great. So you heard it first here. You're probably not first, but you heard it here. Let's pretend you heard it here first. You got scooped. Actually, this is—I think this is the first time. This, mm -hmm. Yeah, you heard it here first. We haven't. Oh, saved right. it yet. We yeah. saved just for you. In addition, we'll also be doing another like Q and A as part of the um, virtual digital kind of scheduled programming they have. So. If you really want to like ask us specific questions or like interact with us, you'll be able to do that there. Excellent. Excellent. I love talking with you guys, but it's frustrating not being able to get into the movie itself without spoiling stuff. Cause I don't want to spoil it. No, cause it's tons of fun. And like, like you all know, bitch, like you all know out there, I'm incredibly hard to please. I'm just glad that you were able to get into us just a little. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> How big is that bed? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> now we made it weird. All right. Thank you, boys, very much for joining me. Where can people find out more about you guys individually? And where can they find out more about Death Drop Gorgeous? I would recommend starting at our website, which is deathdropgorgeous.com. Um, you can find links to all of our resources, including who we are from there. But additionally, like we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. Um, we're going to be dropping some new Scruff, material. Grinder, <laughs> Snapchat. Tinder. Hot quilters for now. <laughs> <laughs> Christian Ming. Well, you got to have a big spread for that big bed, I guess. <laughs> farmers for farmers. <laughs> Christian Mangle. That's another movie for you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, boys, very much for joining me. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Happy Pride. Pride. And take care of your own sales. 
awesome. You too. Bye. Well, yeehaw. That was more fun than a rodeo in my pussy. Well, that was a callback that came out of nowhere. So <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Brandon and Christopher and Michael, for coming on and playing with me and having this lovely chat. And you're probably wondering, what did he just say about our movie? No, it had nothing to do with your movie. It's an old joke. And you know what? You just had to be there. Okay, I'll explain it to you someday. It's gross. It's gross. But and nothing to do with you guys, but it was it was fun. I had fun hanging out with you guys is what I'm trying to say. Gosh darn it. I cannot wait to see the new cut of Death Drop Gorgeous because I loved it already before. But now that Tyler and Roman from Scream Queen, my Nightmare on Elm Street, have got their fingers in it and they're doing the editing, it's going to be super tight, yo. And speaking of Tyler and Roman, they're going to be my guests next time for episode 300. So if you haven't seen the documentary Scream Queen, my Nightmare on Elm Street yet, I highly recommend you doing so before the episode. You should watch it anyway because it's brilliant, moving, passionate, heartbreaking. It's everything. It's the whole roller coaster. And it's available for rental on Amazon or you can get it on Shudder. And if you use the promo code Scream Queen, singular, you get 30 days free. And that is a promo code, not from me, that's from Tyler and Roman. So if you if you use that code, you're helping them out. Helping them make more fabulous movies in the future. So go, go do that. Go do that. It's a good damn movie. It's a good damn movie is what I just said. Whew. And just a reminder, uh, episode 300. Episode 300 is going to be my last one for a while. Because it's time for me to go on hiatus for the summer. That's okay. That's okay. Because here's the thing, kids. I might be going on hiatus, but the show's not. How does that work? Well, I'll tell you. I've been recording episodes in advance for ooh, a good month now. So even though I'm going away, you're still going to be getting episodes. We're go- I'm going back down to two shows a month because this every week thing was killing me. And not only have I been recording these episodes in advance, I've been setting them to go out remotely. So everything's put together. It's all set. It's like they're on the clock scheduled. So I'm not going to have to mess or fuss. The show's programmed for the next two months. So you can begin all the Scream Queens entertainment you need to get you through this summer. And when I come back in September, it's going to be season 11. And just that thought alone blows my mind. So I don't even know what to say about it. So I think I'm going to take this opportunity to thank my partners in crime. And I'm talking about Squadcast. Squadcast does remote recordings for professional podcasters. This whole interview session, all these interview sessions were recorded with Squadcast. And without them, they wouldn't have sounded as good as they do. And not only does Squadcast provide top-of-the-line sound... They also make it easy as pie. I my my feed on on all the social medias. You know, I, I subscribe to a lot of podcasts and groups. And let's just say the lockdown and quarantine and COVID era. I mean, there's a ton of podcasts before we started. Everybody and their sisters putting out one now. And man, people are recording them on their phones and 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 just and through Zoom. Everyone's like Zoom, Zoom. How do I make? Everyone's like, oh, Zoom's the greatest. Then they're asking for advice from Zoom and like, okay, well, if I do this and I get this file and I convert it to this and then convert it back to that and get these people to record their portion of the program. On the, it, it, there's so many extra steps that you just don't need to do when you've got Squadcast. I mean, do you want to jump through hoops for an extra two hours when you're putting your podcast together or you just you want it all just laid out and sounding fabulous already? Well, that's your choice. If you want to try out Squadcast for seven days, you go to bit.ly slash Squad Queens, and that's Queens with a Z. On the on the other side of that equally fabulous coin are the hot, sexy, oiled up, break dancing, ninja disco move, boogie in your butt, Jedi Knights over at Captivate FM. Captivate FM is the only podcast host that is dedicating to growing your podcast and your audience. And again, everybody in the sisters putting out 
podcast right now. And I'm like, yeah, it's Anchor. It's for free. It's great. Well, you get what you pay for with these free sites. Okay. But with Captivate FM, you get quality customer service. And it's so embarrassingly easy. And you have so much more control of your own product than you do on these free sites. Because believe it or not, because believe me, with these free sites, there's always payment. You just don't see it yet. Trust me. Trust me. Okay. So and if you want to go tr- get a free trial of Captivate FM, that is also down there in the show notes. Woo. So like I said, next time I'm going to be sitting down with Tyler and Roman talk about Scream Queens. Go check that out on Shutter or rent it or just buy the DVD because trust me, this is a fabulous movie. You're going to want to own it. It's, it's powerful. I've been showing it to people who are, have know nothing about horror. I don't care about Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know who Mark Patton is. And they are moved to tears and inspired. It's a fabulous movie. You should own it. You should own it. I'm telling you that right now. So go do your homework in advance. Watch the movie. And come hang out with me next time with Tyler and Roman. And if you want to get in touch with the show, you can do that by finding me on Facebook. Do a search on Scream Queens, where horror gets gay. I'm on Twitter, at Scream Queens. I'm on Instagram, at Scream Queens Podcast. And leave a review, if you like, over on iTunes or on Podchaser.com. kind of stuff really helps out the show. It helps out our search engine optimization and helps get the word out to other people and helps in the search ranks and all that other stuff. And if you're a hardcore screamer, then you need to be on Patreon. You can help support the show in a brand new way. You get extra content every month. And you can do that by going to www.patreon.com slash scream queens. Is that it? Is that, all the, is that all the social media stuff? I think so. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, continue to make the world a more fabulous place. And never, ever forget the Scream Queens golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final reel, baby. And how do you do that? Stay the fuck home. Wear a fucking mask. Wash your fucking hands. Chill the fuck out. Keep sharing black stories. Defund the police. And never forget for one second, I love you. Bye. the music for tonight's show, unless otherwise specified, has been written by Sam Haynes. You can find all of his music at www.bandcamp.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ew.